Story twelve of the Strength of Gideon and Other Stories by Paul Lawrence Dunbar. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. An Old Time Christmas. When the holidays came round, the thoughts of Liza and Lewis always turned to the good times that she used to have at home, when, following the precedent of antebellum days, Christmas lasted all the week, and good cheer held sway. She remembered with regret the gifts that were given, the songs that were sung to the tinkling of the banjo and the dances with which they beguiled the night hours, and the eating. Could she forget it? the great turkey, with the fat literally bursting from him, the yellow yam melting into deliciousness in the mouth, or in some more fortunate season, even the juicy possum grinning in brown and greasy death from the great platter. In the ten years she had lived in New York, she had known no such feast day. Food was strangely dear in the metropolis, and then there was always the weekly rental of the poor room to be paid. But she had kept the memory of the old times green in her heart, and ever turned to it with the fondness of one for something irretrievably lost. That is how Jimmy came to know about it. Jimmy was thirteen and small for his age, and he could not remember any such times as his mother told him about. Although he said with great pride to his partner and rival, Blinky Scott, Gee, Blink, you ought to hear my old lady talk about the times they have down where we come from at Christmas. New York ain't in it with them. You can just bet. And Blinky, who was a New Yorker clear through with a New Yorker's contempt for anything outside of the city, had promptly replied with a downward spreading of his right hand, Oh, forget it. Jimmy felt a little crestfallen for a minute, but he lifted himself in his own estimation by threatening to do Blinky, and the cloud rolled by. Liza Ann knew that Jimmy couldn't ever understand what she meant by an old-time Christmas, unless she could show him by some faint approach to its merrymaking, and it had been the dream of her life to do this. But every year she had failed, until now she was a little ahead. Her plan was too good to keep, and when Jimmy went out that Christmas Eve morning to sell his papers, she had disclosed it to him and bade him hurry home as soon as he was done, for they were to have a real old-time Christmas. Jimmy exhibited as much pleasure as he deemed consistent with his dignity, and promised to be back early to add his earnings to the fund for celebration. When he was gone, Liza Ann counted over her savings lovingly and dreamed of what she would buy her boy and what she would have for dinner on the next day. Then a voice, a colored man's voice she knew, floated up to her. Someone in the alley below her was singing, the old folks at home. All up and down the old creation, sadly I roam, still longing for the old plantation and for the old folks at home. She leaned out of the window and listened, and when the song had ceased, she drew her head in again. There were tears in her eyes, the tears of memory and longing. But she crushed them away again, and laughed tremulously to herself as she said, What a regular old fool I'm getting to be. Then she went out into the cold, snow-covered streets, 
for she had work to do that day that would add a mite to her little Christmas store. Down in the street, Jimmy was calling out the morning papers and racing with Blinky Scott for prospective customers. These were only transients, of course, for each had his regular buyers whose preferences were scrupulously respected by both in agreement with a strange silent compact. Electric cars went clanging to and fro. The streets were full of shoppers with bundles and bunches of holly, and all the sights and sounds were pregnant with the message of the joyous time. People were full of the holiday spirit. The papers were going fast, and the little colored boy's pockets were filling with the desired coins. It would have been all right with Jimmy if the policeman hadn't come up on him just as he was about to toss the bones, and when Blinky Scott had him faded to the amount of five hard-earned pennies. Well, they were trying to suppress youthful gambling in New York, and the officer had to do his duty. The other scuttled away, but Jimmy was so absorbed in the game that he didn't see the cop until he was right on him, so he was pinched. He blubbered a little and wiped his grimy face with his grimier sleeve until it was one long brown smear. You know, this was Jimmy's first time. The big blue coat looked a bit ashamed as he marched him down the street, followed at a distance by a few hooting boys. Some of the holiday shoppers turned to look at them as they passed and murmured, Poor little chap, I wonder what he's been up to now. Others said sarcastically, It seems strange that Copper didn't call for help. A few of his brother officers grinned at him as he passed, and he blushed, but the dignity of the law must be upheld, and the crime of gambling among the newsboys was a growing evil. Yes, the dignity of the law must be upheld, and though Jimmy was only a small boy, it would be well to make an example of him. So his name and age were put down on the blotter, and over against them the offense with which he was charged. Then he was locked up to await trial the next morning. It's shameful, the bearded sergeant said, how the kids are carrying on these days. People are feeling pretty generous, and they'll toss them a nickel or a dime for their paper and tell them to keep the change for Christmas. And first thing you know, the little beggars are shooting craps or pitching pennies. We've got to make an example of some of them. Liza Ann Lewis was tearing through her work that day to get home and do her Christmas shopping, and she was singing as she worked some such old song as she used to sing in the good old days back home. She reached her room late and tired, but happy. Visions of waking up time for her and Jimmy were in her mind, but Jimmy wasn't there. I wonder what that little scamp is, she said, smiling. I told him to hurry home. I reckon he's stayin' out later with the evenin' papas, so's to bring home more money. Hour after hour passed, and he did not come. Then she grew alarmed. At two o'clock in the morning she could stand it no longer, and she went over and awakened Blinky Scott, much to that young gentleman's disgust, who couldn't see why any woman need make such a fuss about a kid. He told her laconically that, Jimmy was pinched for throwing the bones. She heard with a sinking heart and went home to her own room to walk the floor all night and sob. In the morning, with all her Christmas savings tied up in a handkerchief, 
she hurried down to Jefferson Market courtroom. There was a full blotter that morning, and the judge was rushing through it. He wanted to get home to his Christmas dinner. But he paused long enough when he got to Jimmy's case to deliver a brief but stern lecture upon the evil of child gambling in New York. He said that as it was Christmas Day, he would like to release the prisoner with a reprimand, but he thought that this had been done too often and that it was high time to make an example of one of the offenders. Well, it was a fine or imprisonment. Liza Ann struggled up through the crowd of spectators and her Christmas treasure added to what Jimmy had, paid his fine, and they went out of the courtroom together. When they were in their room again, she put the boy to bed, for there was no fire and no coal to make one. Then she wrapped herself in a shabby shawl and huddled up over the empty stove. Down in the alley she heard the voice of the day before singing. Oh, darkies, how my heart grows weary, far from the old folks at home, and she burst into tears. End of story 12